0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Peter Berenger is a member of the Deutscher Bundestag and vice chairman of the AFD Party, the Alternative für Deutschland Party. He's a former asset manager, founder of German Precious Metal Society, NGO, and the initiator of the international public campaign Repatriate Our Gold which triggered Deutsche Bundesbank to repatriate 50% of its gold from abroad to Germany. And he's published a book on that topic. He has a Master's of IT and Business Administration, degrees from European Business School in 1995. And he's worked mainly for international companies such as Booz Allen and 3IPLC, private equity company in UK. Since 2003, Behringer has been a financial author and conference speaker with a critical focus on the euro on the flawed worldwide monetary system and on other major political developments detrimental to the economy. In 2015, Berenger became financial spokesman for the AFD party. He's a member of their national committee. In June 2022, Behringer was elected vice chairman of the AFD. And since 2017, Beringer has been a member of the German Bundestag and AFD's parliamentary speaker on budgetary policy. In the 19th legislative period, Beringer served as chairman of the Budget Committee of the Bundestag, presiding over the complex negotiation process for the German national budget, which is about 400 billion euros. So quite an intro, but it sets up who Peter Beringer is, and he joins us here on Reality Check Radio right now. Nice to have you, Peter, coming from, from Germany on our radio station. Well, good day, and thanks for having me, Paul. I'm kind of wondering if you're overqualified. <laughs> I'm just joking. Don't worry. <laughs> you got a lot on the CV there. You are now basically a politician, right? Right. I'm the vice chairman of AFD Party. Yeah. So what's that like these days, um, given that we had a story recently where I think there was some alarm in the establishment of Germany that you, your party was gaining popularity like really
1: quickly. Oh, absolutely. You can say that uh, in the course of the last 13 months, I think we've more than doubled our poll results. It's not yet election results, it's poll results, uh, but we came from 10% to close to 22% uh, on a federal level now, and that's uh, astonishing in just 13 months. Does that astonish you? Well, the timing maybe does. Uh, the fact itself does not, because it was really overdue. We uh, we didn't change a lot 12 months ago, maybe a little bit the tone and the language. Uh, but uh, I think the time was just uh, ripe for uh, people to understand that uh, we are governed horribly in so many respects, be it energy policy, be it migration policy, be it uh, the vogue uh, cultural policy that uh, the leftists are pursuing. And I could continue that, of course. Well, that seems to be kind of a
0: pattern. You know, in other countries, it's almost a pattern here around the world. The The impression that a lot of us have at the moment is there's some kind of deindustrialization
1: of Germany going on right now. Is that is that true? Unfortunately, it is true. They call it decarbonization, but oh. actually it is a, it, actually it is a deindustrialization. Absolutely. And in Germany, it's, uh, uh, especially horrible because um, the government and the government before under mrs merkel translate merkel they abandoned both nuclear power and coal power uh, well we have not yet abandoned that but we are in the course of that uh, they don't want oil heating and gas heating any longer they're basically also called fossil uh, fuels uh, will be forbidden and they cannot be uh, just re- replaced by uh, renewables he uh, probably know that this is not possible for uh, technological uh, and physical reasons. So what's that done to the German economy? Well, we are just about to begin the, uh, that. Uh, I think the uh, automotive industry, which was very strong in Germany, has already left the country. Not really, but the, many have uh, really struggling. And uh, uh, we are really in worries about for, for, these, for this industry. The same for other energy-intensive industries. Uh, those will be the first ones to suffer and, uh, unfortunately, to leave if we cannot stop the insanity.
0: The insanity, yeah, because... Your country has a proud history of, of, of industrialization, making incredible products, awesome technology, a real powerhouse, yet it seems that the political class has been happy to let that ebb away. It kind of makes no sense from this side of the world that a country in such a strong position would let themselves deteriorate or, or, or corrode in that way.
1: Well, unless there is a hidden agenda here, which actually wants deindustrialization. And uh, when you hear some greenists, uh, you have the feeling that they actually want that and they welcome the deindustrialization, uh, not knowing what kind of consequences that will have. But if you leave that aside, yes, it's insanity. Um, and uh, Germany is a poor country when it comes to natural commodities. so We don't have a lot of those, uh, with the possible exception of coal um, and Uh, just to abandon all that, uh, not even importing coal and stuff like that, and uh, also abandon uh, other important uh, things in our uh, history which made us great, Mm. Uh, that's just a a mix which which is not very helpful and which leads to disaster, in my opinion, in our opinion.
0: So, obviously, gaining popularity is an obvious sign that you know a uh, proportion of the public the voting public the citizenry aren't on board with the way it's going and that uh, growth that you talked about shows that so what does the what is the average german thinking right now what do they make of their country right now and how it's going Unfortunately, we have a
1: media that is not really saying things like like I am now. Uh, They are depicting a picture completely different to the one I do. They're all leftists, all of them, unanimously. uh, Almost no exception. So if you want to have a fair picture of Germany, and especially of AFD, you need to hear alternative German media, which obviously hardly anybody does abroad. Uh, I've had a BBC interview the other day, and they too only had the German mainstream view, because uh, either they have the same view, and or they uh, get no other message from the German mainstream media. So uh, this is uh, the, the 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 wall we have to climb up against uh, the German mainstream media. But still and nevertheless, the German populacy is beginning to understand that all these uh, all uh, th- this kind of government cannot be good for them. <laughs> and especially the energy question is uh, really something which strikes people because it makes life uh, very uh, expensive uh, quickly um, and uh, yeah. Well, I, I believe we will be experiencing brownouts uh, in uh, in, the, in winter. <laughs> brownouts means that some industries will, uh, for, by law, have to go offline, <laughs> off the grid, uh, for a few hours. Uh, which is not a catastrophic scenario, but it is uh, horrible for those um, uh, industries. And uh, this was unheard of, unthinkable of, uh, unthinkable in Germany up until two years ago. It's, it's just crazy how. Because quickly that is that the went.
0: benchmark of a first world nation, isn't it? Keeping the power on. Yes. Yeah. What about um, that Nord Stream? Um, uh, what do you call it? Explosion, destruction. Um, that's compromised energy, as I understand it. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it seems
1: like your ally did it. <laughs> Right. Uh, Initially, you were cautious and said it's it's an explosion. It was more than an an explosion. It's absolutely clear that this was a sabotage and uh, an act of of war, actually, against Germany. But But from uh, your ally, from an ally, it seems. Wait wait a sec. Well, the government, uh, our government wouldn't call it uh, that way. They they haven't put a lot of energy Well, examining the thing, despite the huge damage this is doing to the German economy, I've calculated personally a number of more than 100 billion euros in energy costs added just uh, because we no longer have that cheap gas uh, from a pipeline, uh, which worked. Uh, pipeline gas from the former USSR has been um, received by Germany since the early 1970s. So even in the coldest of Cold War times, <laughs> nobody bothered that we receive uh, that gas. And now uh, there was an explosion. And yes, there is. Uh, well, I cannot say for sure whether it was an ally of ours uh, officially. The official version after three or four official versions we've heard before uh, now is that it's uh, been a Ukrainian SWAT team whatever. Yeah, but you, you guys are
0: supporting, well, not you personally, but your government supports Ukraine. Yes, uh,
1: indirectly or in the meantime, directly, well known directly with weaponry, right? Tanks. And... Yes, I'm. I'm not. Contra- yes, you're right. <laughs> it's it's the way it is. Uh, what a crazy in- situation! Delivering weapons there. Um, personally, AfD um, and and my party would like to see uh, peace negotiations. And I think already in mid 2022, uh, there were there was a peace treaty on the table. But um, yeah, there, was. there was pressure from the there was pressure from the West, um, and actually there was a guy called. Boris Johnson from the UK flying into um, Ukraine and Kiev, uh, not allowing them to sign the peace treaty. Uh, it could, would have saved uh, hundreds of uh, 500,000 lives and counting, unfortunately. So this is all horrific. By the way, this part uh, of the interview was cut out of B- by BBC the other day. <laughs> it, was the oh, really? was, okay. it was the only part, that, it was the only part I, uh, that was cut out, even though, to my knowledge, this um, trip from Boris Johnson in, I think, May or June 2022, happened and it's pretty obvious and uh, we know what he told Mr. Zelensky at the time (laughs) Um, still uh, this is uh, something uh, which must not be uh, broadcast obviously well you know uh,
0: let's say half a million deaths as a result of that I mean that's that's mind-blowing actually
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes. I, I don't know. Like a you, war you can, have to, you, you can have different uh, opinions regarding that war. Um, but it is, to me, it is clear that it did not start February 2022. Uh, it has been started a lo- uh, many years earlier, and there were breaks of uh, contracts uh, from the Kiev side. The Minsk contract was broken. Um, uh, Didn't Angela Merkel
0: admit that it was a kind of a ruse to buy time for Ukraine or whoever supported Ukraine to build up a military where
1: then some other fight could take place that's yes. yeah you're well informed and you're bold to actually uh, say it but that's on record that's official that's what she said uh, only years later as of the situation I think 2014 when uh, really tensions um, got got stronger there in the Ukraine
0: and not to mention her phone was bugged by the Obama administration. <laughs> again, a great a great ally. who needs enemies? <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, is the well well, first of all, question just before we get on to the other stuff about the media because you mentioned them. So that that sort of um that left media that you're talking about, because we've got the same thing here too. It's remarkable the similarities here. And if we we're talking to an Australian, or canadian or we'd, we'd have similar stories is that mm. an ideological position of the media or is there is there sort of cooperation between uh institutions organs of state and media in a, a sort of like a a concerted
1: messaging effort
0: can you tell us i, I, th-
1: I think it's both uh, it's a symbiosis between the um, mass media the state media if you want and the government the state itself uh, because uh uh, the state guarantees uh, the existence of the state media we especially in germany we have uh, um, uh, media that are official uh, public media mm. officially they are independent but they uh, need uh, a law uh, to uh, in order they can receive 10 billion euro per annum um, uh, by force and nobody can escape <laughs> that that fee um, everybody has to pay it even if you don't have a tv or a radio at all um so that media and they make up the majority of the German mainstream media um, have a a clear interest, uh, an ex- existential interest, um, to to support uh, current, uh, the current the the government, which you, is, you can't uh, bite you know, the hand. At and, and vice versa, the the government uh, depends on that sort of media, of course, because they get good media coverage. Uh, it's very trivial, uh, but it's uh, increasing. We have seen that for decades, but it's really become very very obvious. Uh, there is no independent mainstream media in Germany any longer. Not even the private ones, uh, who for other uh, by other means. Uh, receive a lot of uh, government money is the german government planning to ban your party well officially it's not yet the government but it's government agencies uh, i think you've sent me before before our talk uh, several articles from the deutsche Verfassungsschutz, the german constitutional agency and also an even of a human rights agency who um, demand our banning both agencies are government agencies even though they have uh, pretty um, <laughs> well innocent names <laughs> a human right agency it doesn't sound like a state agency but it is they d- d- report and get their grants directly from the Ministry of the Interior in Germany uh, led by a, a left extremist <laughs> Mrs Faser mm. and uh, the same lady leads the German Constitutional Agency which also is a government agency so they, these guys are no, not at all independent but they uh, collect material uh, somehow um, accusing us of word crimes usually it's only word crimes uh, we always use word crimes and can, words can become de- a, can,
0: can you give us an example of what what a word crime would be in that case.
1: Uh, well we use the wrong language sometimes it's just a strong language if we uh, as opposed to the government uh, talk about uh, a regime which okay which you do not have to say but uh, sometimes it happens uh, other um, parties have to have been doing that as well with other governments uh, so it's not a nice word but it's a, a legal critique uh, and even that, uh, the, the constitutional agency makes it that okay they talk about a regime so they imply it's not a democratically elected government Right. So they imply to topple the government. That's the kind of thing they uh, they follow.
0: Yeah, the the, the sort of um, yeah,
1: they're the kind of demonizing your words. Okay, and, and, they're mis- uh, and they're misinterpreting us all the time to the worst possible. Ways. You, you can often interpret words or, or statements in different uh, directions, and they always, with no exception, interpret it to the the, the worst possible way. So they're not actually going
0: at you for for fundamentally what you're saying it's the choice of words and the sort of the the nuances of what you say that that they're picking on is is that or, or highlighting not kind of arguing there, there, your there fundamental is no fairness
1: Yes, absolutely. There is no fair um, reporting about us, neither by those government agencies nor by the mainstream media. You really have to follow the alternative media uh, or <laughs> listen to the people in the streets. I mean, it is not by accident that we uh, almost every fourth German is now um, voting for us, and uh, another fourth uh, can imagine voting for us.
0: That's incredible given what you're up against. So, how strong is the alternative media? in Germany, because I know a lot of people now are seeking out alternative information sources, and that scale of of support that you have must be freaking
1: them out. I used to be a publicist before I became a politician um, for more than 15 years, so I was myself part of the alternative media. When I started uh, more than 20 years ago, um, we had an audience of approximately less than one per mil, one in a thousand um, of Germans. who. Received the information. Uh, Oh yes, there are critiques out there, uh, critics out there uh, with valid points, Uh, and uh, so we started from a very very low base. Now we have arrived, I think, at. 10 to 20 maybe 25 percent um listeners of alternative media which is not so bad and then uh, and, and maybe 20 percent are already voting for us so it's, it's really directly correlated uh, but it's only 25 percent. Uh, but that's uh, more than 100 times more than when i started 20 years ago so we are yeah. gaining ground and we're close We're i think we're close to gaining um the uh well the, the of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, off. yeah. So it's it's
0: it's really dynamic at the moment, right? It's, there's yeah. like a flip going over, uh, going at the moment. There's a you're perceiving a loss of trust and confidence now amongst everyday people in mainstream media. Are you seeing that? Do you think?
1: Yeah, we, we are seeing that absolutely. When, yeah. we, when it comes to our rallies, uh, people are no longer uh, so afraid, uh, despite the Antifa um, resistance all over the place. Uh, people yeah. come to, yeah. our, to us, and uh, Antifa is a very, uh, they're not very bold. Uh, uh, as soon as they are no longer in a huge majority, <laughs> they don't come anymore. So they run away. We- yeah, but, they, absolutely they're not bold at all <laughs> they can only win in, uh, with a huge majority on their side which they had for 10 years now but the, these things too are changing and in eastern Germany it's already gone uh, you don't see them any longer in the streets because uh, they would be shouted out of the streets <laughs> um, in the west it's a little bit different um, so that's the good news on the other hand we have that uh, mainstream media with their billions in the in the back and they, they are not giving in so far uh, they are arrogant uh, they, are, uh, they don't invite us to many important uh, events if they invite us it's a one versus five situation in talk shows Mm -hmm. Uh, and so uh, nothing is fair here uh, and this is still um uh, the the broadcast for the for the millions Uh, so it's it's a hard uh, fight but we are about to to gain ground now yeah i think it's a
0: this is a pattern not just where you are but you know around yes in certain countries around the world you know and western countries let's say what about mass migration? Um, I mean, we see this from, or we see that from this side of the world. It, it's kind of difficult to understand why a country like Germany and and other countries in the EU would want to throw open the doors in in such a way, um, which puts pressure on every everything, doesn't it? I mean, the, the more people that come into a country, the lower everyone's standard of living is driven. It, it seems. If it's not done in a very organized way it seems to be a hard thing to explain so can you explain this mass migration who's behind it and what's what's the does anyone think there's any
1: benefit to it what he just said is common sense that's what most people think if we had direct democracy democracy uh, the mass migration from special countries from many countries. And uh, at that speed, which we've seen especially in the last eight years, but actually 30 years um, back, um, wouldn't have happened. Uh, The populacy would never have allowed that. So there were were obviously forces. Uh, The mainstream media, again. And then uh, governments behind them and sometimes maybe international forces behind that um, uh, promoting um, uh, mass migration that's my personal opinion Uh, it's hard to prove all all that but uh, after following it for 20 or actually 30 years now uh, yes Uh, and since 2015 in germany we have the very special situation that chancellor former chancellor merkel um, basically just abandoned Um, our borders, our national borders. She let everybody in uh, for no reason uh, with a possible explanation. Uh, He's a refugee, but we've seen refugees for decades and we didn't let everybody in. We uh, put uh, illegal immigrants out. And to this very day in Germany, uh, 95, actually 99% of uh, those coming into Germany and they are almost everyone is allowed to stay here, uh, has no legal right to be here. We have a German constitutional article granting political asylum in the Individually to individually persecuted people, and that's it. It's Article 161, and only one in a hundred of those coming to Germany actually qualifies. That uh, probably closer to one to a th- one in a thousand. And uh, then there's a second rule. Uh, If you uh, on your journey from the country where you're allegedly persecuted into the center of Central Europe, if you pass a country where you're not persecuted, you must not go on. You must uh, ask for political asylum there. So this, too, applies for another 95% of people coming to Germany. (laughs) Uh, But they, too, uh, because the other countries around us know that uh, Germany will let everybody in. Uh, They just let them transit and uh, pass through their countries into Germany. Germany and everybody's more or less happy because they all end up where they wanted to be in the first place which is Austria maybe a few Scandinavian countries Germany and a few of them to France and to the UK but the UK has become pretty restrictive these days too
0: well of course none of that makes any sense so you have to ask well, what, why is it to somehow alter the population mix who do these immigrants end up supporting politically
1: uh, I mean, who benefits in this? The, the, the easy answer is it's a big business. There are refugee organizations. Uh, you cannot deny that, even though it is being denied by the government. Some of those organizations who organize uh, boats, boat trips from Northern Africa or Arabia into uh, Italy or uh, Spain or Greece, um, they are actually funded by the German government. In some, in some instances, we can even prove that. Um so this is incredible so the uh, and then there is the asylum industry within germany you get a lot of government uh, money uh, when you support um, refugees to some extent okay this is necessary we don't we cannot let those people starve um, but uh, you have to stop the influx just uh, at a certain point and this is not happening it has not been happening in in, in 8 years now in germany we are seeing 700,000 people um, coming into one of the densely most densely populated country in the world which is germany um and uh, well illegally most of them are plainly they are illegal uh, well who, who else could profit um we are now getting into conspiracy theory areas but uh there are but, you, but you've um, got
0: to explain why you do something <laughs> so irrational right you
1: first of all it's not legal so what's the point of having laws so yes but but laws are just not uh, being executed since 2015 and the, this well, is beyond, really,
0: past a certain volume of people it's virtually impossible to do that isn't it I mean you've got to process hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people and and you, you once they're
1: in they're in you know it's correct for those who are in for those it's difficult but as soon as you start um pushing uh or sending people back um just uh, one, say one thousand, not more it's not more the word will spread all over the world immediately okay uh, and Germany not, 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 not low not so easy a target any longer uh, australia has made the same they just um put out the slogan a few years ago you will never make australia home your home um, and that was enough yeah uh, they stopped the boat it, stopped. It stopped almost immediately i don't know about new zealand <laughs> that's what australia did well uh, australia
0: used to be the the choice for most and uh, it was a bit further to go to new zealand but we we don't seem to get any of that it's a it's a long way to come here yes. um okay
1: so uh, the the average german if you, if you allow me one remark here at sure. this point uh, new zealand has a different different history of course uh, well there were natives there and uh, uh, europeans came in there it was more or less vice versa but that's uh, 200 or 500 years ago yeah yeah um so i think you you, you get along together pretty well in, in new zealand which is fine but you don't see that speed and that um uh, type of immigrants which we are seeing I cannot go into that uh, in detail for legal reasons, because if I elaborated on that, uh, the German Constitutional Court would probably fall over me.
0: Oh, so you can't say who who these people are or where they're from? Uh, is, is
1: what you're all I can about? say is they are here illegally. But yep. yes, of course, you have to have a certain homogeneity in a, within a country. Uh, Germany has always been, since Roman times, 2,000 years ago, a country for immigrants. But they came at a very low speed. Most of them had a similar culture. Most, of, Some of them even have had better cultures than the Germanic barbarians some um, 1,000 years ago. The Romans brought culture into um, oh, it was 2,000 years ago. <laughs> so immigration is not always bad, but it has to happen very slowly, and you have to have some cultural similarity and homogeneity um, between those well, the, well that's just, in the country that's, and that's just in. And that is that is completely it? uh not the case in in germany for for 10 years now what is the um
0: the attitude of of your party and uh you know um again your
1: average german to the eu now um well for some years after our foundation in 2013 we've been saying uh EU has to reform uh, completely. They must no longer uh, try to become a state in their own right, which they must never be, according to the foundation contracts. Um, so we give you a few more years uh, to 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 get reforms underway. But everything, really, everything since then has become worse. Uh, the, the euro is being rescued every day by hundreds of billions of euros. Uh, it is, uh, it is not a, um, a currency which is viable cu- these days, uh, even though it is never admitted. <laughs> um, we ha- we have uh, immigration problems uh, caused by the EU from Brussels. This too is not um, being. Uh, healed in any way brussels itself acts like a state the european commission uh, acts like a supranational um, government which it must not be in our view (laughs) so we have lost patience with the eu and since 2021 we have a a so-called dexit policy for for, um, afd we want to leave the european union knowing Um, that it's not so easy we would of course like we we are proposing a uh, replacement entity uh, which at least upholds uh, free trade which is important and Which we had up until 1990 only that was the only reason for the former european economic uh, community uh, which ended in 1990 Uh, we want to go back to some sort of um, that kind of union again
0: so basically eu in its current form post 1990 like you're saying there
1: is a kind of fail it's a fail is it To me, it's a fail. Uh, Of course, it's never admitted, but uh, even just economically, if you, from a German perspective, which is the main payer (laughs) to the whole uh, thing. it is not a good deal um you can see it a little bit different if you are a greek citizen from an economic perspective but that's only the economy side there's also cultural um sides and uh, and and questions of sovereignty uh, the nation states cannot survive under this kind of eu and we would like to have nation states survive in including germany if you were at the levers of power and you could make
0: this happen how long How long a process would you be happy with to leave? How long would it take to unbundle and get out? I
1: think the very moment we just threatened, if we were in power, uh, to pay a little less and less transfer money uh, into Europe, uh, there would be a lot of willingness to negotiate with with Germany. This was not the case. and and, Interestingly, when when Britain left, Nigel Farage uh, did a great job uh, bringing um, Britain out of the the European Union, but uh, Britain, especially after Farage, was not strong enough to negotiate a fair deal. That's one of the reasons why um, the UK has so many now uh, that is not due to their leaving the EU but uh, because there is no no uh, they couldn't negotiate a good um concessive deal
0: uh, or is that uh, because could- they were just not good at negotiating or the
1: EU had something over them or because the the eu could survive without the uk it was not so easy because they too were a paying state an important state but it could go on and the french were not so unfortunate uh, unhappy with the uk leaving anyway because uh, now french is the dominating language um besides english but uh, the french are indirectly have become more important now Um, so the, the eu could survive without the uk and it is just unthinkable that the EU, the remaining EU, can survive without Germany. So we would be in a better negotiation position, I think. We would what not, a- uh, as AFD, uh, personally, I would, of course, not leave the EU unprepared. We would have to negotiate. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't just like walk away, right?
0: And
1: they there woke up one morning and you'd
0: gone, kind of thing. Yeah, are you- there are contracts in place. We don't want
1: to prompt yeah. chaos, of course. No. What about NATO? NATO is a more difficult thing because there is no clear replacement. Uh, after EU, we have strong nation states, uh, which we had up until 1990. Uh, so the world can go on without the EU. When it comes to NATO, uh, even our party members are split a little bit uh, because uh, some fear that uh, there is no real replacement. And you have posed the right question. Do you need it? That is really the ultimate question. Uh, because Russia one- is a Christian
0: country. It's not a communist country anymore. And it hasn't been for a long time. Okay, it might be authoritarian. It's, it's a culture that has a history, and it's big, and it's unwieldy. But fundamentally, th- there's more in common than not, you would have thought, between a country like Germany and Russia.
1: Yes I agree there but propaganda has worked to some extent and even in Germany we a few, a few quite a few people still remember the world war 2 situation when Russia or the USSR obviously was the enemy and uh, the cold war up until 1991 when uh, Russia also still was the enemy. This is, to some extent, rooted in many people's heads. Personally, I, I'm i completely of your opinion, which you just described. Uh, we should leave the thinking of the Cold War. Uh, today's Russia is no longer the former USSR. But there are many people, even within my own party, who think otherwise. And even if you leave Russia, the Russia question aside, some say, okay, you have to have a, a strong army. Uh, we don't have that. The Deutsche Bundeswehr is, <laughs> is not strong at, at all. Um, so, um, we we have to have some sort of, uh, well, defense um, organization, and all we have is NATO. Uh, so, we're not yet at that point uh, that we have decided to leave NATO, but uh, the Americans are not making it easy for us to, <laughs> to to keep following these days.
0: And not easy to rebuild a military with brownouts, right? I mean, you'd, you'd have to pick your
1: time on, on when yes. you build, build stuff. Okay. It's, it's, it's so expensive building up a, an own military, and it'll take 10 years. Yeah. Okay um we
0: saw I saw a news uh, item that uh, and I think we read it out on our station not too long ago that the AFD uh, one of your political candidates was assaulted in an mm. attack um is I mean do you have any worries about safety things like that as as this popularity increases and the the kind of the forces yeah. are up against each other
1: uh, are you worried that that something could give on on the one hand side, situation becomes more riskier for us because uh, we gain popularity and this prompts more resistance. On the other hand, those individual attacks, and this was not the only one which you've just cited. Uh, we are mm. experiencing that well, several times a year, unfortunately. Um, uh, that kind of situation will probably. Go. Uh, we will not see so more in the future, so much in the future, be- because of what I already said. Uh, the Antifa is not bold; right, uh, it's those people. Minority. Things. So uh, strength yeah. actually um, uh, protects us here when it comes to individual attacks. But the general attacks, uh, the organized attacks from the state, from uh, from the government, from their agencies, uh, from their informal uh, ground troops called Antifa. Um, they will probably still increase to, for for a few little time to come. Yeah. So we we have to live with the risk. Um, well, everybody uh, working in a in a leading position for AFD uh, has to live with that risk. Okay, and at the local sort of government level,
0: are you? What are you doing there? I guess local council level, uh, city level. Uh, uh,
1: what, what's your presence in that? Uh, but it's, it's, like. it's starting now, uh, which is sensational, actually. Um, looking at where we're coming from, that we gain local elections, uh, we have mayors now, uh, we have regional directors, uh, which are government positions, local government positions, uh, which is new for us. We are not really prepared for that, but uh, in, in in the local areas, it's fine. Uh, I think the few people who are who got actually elected from AFD uh, are doing a good job, uh, but this is really new, so. Um, our topics, the topics which uh, we are—we have to enforce, immigration, uh, the CO2 religion, uh, energy policy. Did you say uh, cultural, religion? Cultural, they're all uh, federal um, topics. So uh, those people on the ground have different issues to face because they have to govern a local uh, municipality, <laughs> which is different. So uh, we are still <laughs> young in that respect. Did you say,
0: I, I might have misheard you, did you say CO2 religion? I said CO two
1: religion. Yes, uh, yeah. you can. Well, if we have two minutes, I can explain. Yeah, we them. do. Uh, um, well, the IPCC claim, uh, the Climate Commission, uh, International Climate Commission, uh, who established the CO two these hypotheses um, since the nineteen nineties. Actually, um, they claim and have been claiming since then that uh, it is CO2 and CO2 only, that mono uh, as the only cause um, will kill the world because it will become warmer more than 1.5 degrees 80 years from now. That's their modeling, according to our models. And uh, being an IT person myself, I know that uh, with complex models, and it's an extremely complex modeling they're doing there, uh, it is all about garbage in, garbage out, if you put the wrong input numbers. And uh, there are so many Um, steps on the way along those algorithms that you can come end up with every um, result you desire and they did there is a lot of rec- uh, there are records uh, going back to 29 um, that uh, uh, so called hockey stick graph was established by the IPCC which was a plain lie uh, uh, claiming that uh, from now on due to co2 and co2 only the world will overheat and it is unstoppable unless we de- industrialize 100% or at least 80% uh, all ridiculous all unproven so it's just not proven the model uh, the, the, the science is not settled at this point even though everybody says but even if you left that aside even if you uh, believed all those models of ipcc um the amount of co2 that germany uh, could save would not make any difference even according to ipcc's own algorithms uh, uh, to to make any difference in the world the other wo- the other way i have have calculated that the new heating um, law in germany uh, which co- will cost us close to 1 trillion euros trillion trillion 1 tr- 1000 billion uh, w- close to 1 trillion uh, euros uh, will if everything works right if it works and it uh, and our co2 emissions go down a little bit will save the world from 0. 0,015 degrees centigrade 80 years from now, which is just ridiculous. It yeah, is unmeasurable. Yeah. So even if you accept the crap and it's a religion uh, from, from IPCC, um, even if you accepted it, it is completely useless, The um, what, what we're doing to just serve the CO2 religion. Yeah, well, different
0: scale, but same kind of thing here too. So let's say afd um becomes a government, let's say. Okay. Um, what would your program be to kind of right the ship? And how long do you think it would, would take? You're the finance spokesperson, so you must have run some numbers. You must have some ideas. And you'd have to have a plan to get working pretty quickly on that because there'd be a huge expectation upon you.
1: So what would that plan be? Yes. The bad news is that a few things have been destroyed uh, for good. It's hard to change it, uh, but uh, obviously we would stop the uh, illegal influx into Germany. We would only grant asylum to that less than 1% of people coming that are actually individually, politically persecuted. Um, That's certainly our first um, uh, step. We would not have to change a single law. It's all about execution of existing laws. To some extent, we would probably have to ignore European laws, but other countries are doing that, too. Uh, We would have to interpret the so-called Refugee Convention of Geneva um, as it was interpreted up until a few years ago. So here, too, we wouldn't have to change anything. We wouldn't have to leave that convention. Uh, We wouldn't have to do that a lot. It is all about execution. And that's why it's so important to, to get the government position. It's an executive position. And uh, today, as an opposition, we are only in a legislative uh, situation and uh, even in a minority. Secondly, um, yeah, we would um, give up the CO2 religion. We would uh, would, uh, bring back and abolish all laws that were brought into the Deutsche Bundestag. And there there were many of them (laughs) that have anything to do with the CO2 religion, with the climate um, thing. It is just that there, it, they don't, don't make sense quantitatively and personally, I think, not even qualitatively. There is no reason for those laws. That, too, would uh, free up a lot of funds. Then we would, as I already uh, ex- explained, uh, start negotiating with the European Union. Um, okay, it can't go on like that. We have to find a different um, solution here. Uh, well, culturally, we would probably also change quite something uh, because there are hundreds of thousands of um, positions, uh, cultural Marxist positions in the German budget uh, that would uh, that one could just uh, eliminate uh, for wow. doing no harm. Doing no harm, actually, you wouldn't notice you would- it, right? You wouldn't notice they're gone. Well, probably only to the contrary, you would notice <laughs> a positive change. Well, yeah, in terms of um, I'm not saying that we would promote rightist or national or uh, market-oriented um, NGOs uh, because uh, we don't believe so much in, in NGOs at all. <laughs> but uh, you could yep. free up a lot of money there.
0: And um, restoring the CO2 religion, you you undo that. That restores then the energy. Um, sort of uh, sensibility back to the industrial
1: power of Germany, does it? I I forgot that. Uh, Obviously, we would have to uh, bring in more energy um, offerings. Uh, it can't only be solar nothing against solar energy if it uh, works in a market-oriented environment without subsidies same for uh, wind energy uh, so you probably not take away all that um, but we would no longer support that and uh, we would bring in gas of course uh, by the way we are buying almost the same amount of Russian gas um, in Germany as, than we did before the war, but okay. it's nowadays it's called LNG as opposed to pipeline gas. Yeah, <laughs> but it's almost yeah. the same. It's ridiculous. We're five times as much, uh, but the quantities yeah. haven't uh, haven't gone come down. So obviously, this is uh, even the morale st- standpoint. The morale doesn't work here. Um, it is not a moralic thing to buy Russian gas by LNG as opposed to not by pipeline. So you could as well uh, repair that pipeline, uh, which is unfortunately not so easy but we have other pipelines uh, that are also closed Uh, we could bring them back Uh, we would use coal again uh, with no bad conscience um, because uh, the world is not heating up uh, due to german co2
0: okay and do you think uh, there will be an attempt by the established political class let's say to try and inhibit you or block you. Um, Some people have talked about the possibility of some sort of grand coalition um, coming together as a blocking move. Is that something that could happen? Are you...
1: Thinking we, have, we, have, we have regions within Germany and regional elections, and uh, that situation already occurred. Where we were by far the strongest party, uh, close to 40%, but they still formed a huge coalition from the communists to the Christian Democrats and wow. the liberal Democrats, uh, <laughs> all of them united against us. Um, it'll be interesting next year because uh, our election results will become even greater in those regions, uh, larger, and it'll, it'll be really difficult mathematically to govern against us. Uh, but they will try and avoid uh, that situation as long as possibly possible. Uh, so, yes, and when is, uh, when, we'll is when is the, when is
0: the well we call it the general election? When is your gen, next that's general election?
1: In, that's in fall of twenty five. Um, okay. Uh, well, if things go on like that, uh, it was incredible what we experienced in the last year—doubling uh, of election results. If we double again, it'll no longer be possible to to govern against us. But uh, well, that's a stretch. I, I don't think we will have more than twenty-five percent. That's good, pretty good, um, but it's probably not enough to gain the government position um, um, in the federal elections. It's only—it's all about the Christian Democrats, who uh, at least in their basis, they're, they're the ordinary um, members of those part of that party, incline to us. Uh, but their bosses will not allow any coalitions with us. So uh, if if they allow that in twenty-five, we would. Easily have a majority in 25. We already have that in today's Bundestag. Uh, if the so called, well, Bürgerliche, um, well, the, the Conservative and the Liberal Party, uh, gained, uh, teamed up with us, uh, even according to 2021 federal election results, we could have formed a majority. Uh, but they didn't want to do that. Let's see what happens in 25. We, we should have another interview by then. Yeah, <laughs> fascinating. Peter
0: Beringer. <laughs> Um, from the AFD party, the vice chairman, he's an MP. And I think you said the finance spokesperson, Peter. So finance, finance spokesperson and the vice chairman. Yes, exactly. It's been really fascinating chatting with you and to get that kind of insight. Um, so thanks for making a bit of time for us and we'll be watching it really closely. And it's (laughs) hearing what you say, there's a lot of commonality, a lot of common themes and crossover between the things you're saying and the things that that you know we're facing yes here i hear well. that a lot
1: uh, i hear that a lot i haven't heard it from down under but so i'm really happy to, <laughs> happy to hear that from you so yeah. thank you very much for having me today
0: rcr with paul brennan reality check radio